Guys, how's it going? Swing Space Radio, episode nine. We're going to try something a little bit different this week. Uh, we got Dan Trainer. We got William Leaf on the line from Jupiter, Florida. What's going on, guys? And we're going to have our first very special guest, Riley Johnson, next to William down in Jupiter, Swing Space member. Give it up, guys. Give it up for Riley. What's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Riley Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to go in. We're going to recap the Genesis Open. Uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about Tiger barely. Well, it didn't turn out to be barely making the cut, but making a charge on uh, Saturday. <laughs> and uh, it was such a weird of. week with all the delays and everything. And it wasn't really. I, I've got some hot takes going into this week about yeah. kind of how that might carry over into this week. But we're going to talk a little bit about JT, uh, and then we're going to go and preview the WGC Mexico Championship, where Tiger is going to be playing for the first time. And uh, we're going to get into kind of just a little bit about the WGC itself, because I, I was even talking to William this morning. I was like, WGC, like, how do you even make that shit? I, I didn't even know. Like, wh- yeah. why is, you know, the field smaller? How do you exactly get into the, how do you get exactly into those? Uh, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about the golf course, go over the weather. We'll talk about our favorites. And then we'll let Riley get in on the head-to-head matchups. Uh, but we'll get all into all that later. So, guys, <laughs> JB Holmes, bringing it home. It's kind of a, uh, I don't know. It was an interesting I mean, he played, he was, Yeah, he, he, he played it good. Was, yeah, it was one of those situations where, like, in my opinion, JT, JT played better that week, of course, right? Like, if, if Sunday was a nice day out, there was no win, JT wins that golf tournament. JB, yeah. though, um, his golf game works really well with the wind. Uh, you could even tell, like, I mean, um, yeah, on Shot Tracer, like, he was flighting his ball really nice that day. Where JT, you know, he's definitely a more high ball hitter, just send it. And um, it, it was funny to see, not funny, but it was interesting to see how JT lost his putting in the wind. You could tell that was a big mental hurdle he was going through with those wind. He missed a couple short ones. And I don't know, JB just hung in there a little bit longer, you know? For sure. Yeah. So, you know, Tiger was also kind of an interesting uh, story of the weekend. Didn't really uh, get off to the greatest of starts and kind of plotted around, you know, obviously him being, I don't want to say one of the older guys in the field, but you know, his, his injury history and how Mm -hmm. that has to, you know, playing in the cold, the wind, uh, you know, playing as much golf as they were playing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, and, his Friday, was, he didn't start the tournament till Friday. Right, right. And so, like, yeah, it's just a, it's a weird week. And, and like I said, I'll get into that a little bit more later where I think that's going to maybe carry over uh, to this week mm-hmm. with the altitude. But, uh, you know, it was it was fun to see him kind of make his well, his little charge on Saturday. Even our, you know, our text thread was a lot about Tiger um, the first couple of days about how, like, he was hitting it so well, and he was doing all the right things. He just was, I think it was, he had three three putts the first round. and Was it only three? I thought it might have even been four. It might have been four. Yeah. You might yeah. be right. No, for sure. And then um, then the second round, the the weather really came in. The, the rain um, on that same day. He played 30 holes that day, I believe it was. But um, mm-hmm. it was just like he didn't get anything out of his first round, and then the weather got bad. So it's like, oh, boy. Like... 
he's probably not going to make the cut. And he goes tiger mode and birdies the last, knowing that at that time when he birdied it, he needed to. You know, they didn't know the cut yep. was going to be even. And then you texted me and you're like, Tiger, like, come on. I'm like, what did he do? I didn't see. <laughs> and yeah. He was what, 500 through seven? And then, well, to, that's just the thing. So we had a like, bet last week. We had a bet last week that I think it was, so we had probably 13 guys in our top flight. And mm-hmm. I think I said, listen, nine of these guys are going to beat Tiger. Right. And I'm sitting there at the end of, you know, round two, like, okay, well, for the first time in my life, I was actually rooting for the man to miss a cut. But <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, okay, this is sitting pretty good. And then yeah. as I'm watching, he just goes nuts. And I was like, oh, well, that's the last time I guess I bet against that guy. <laughs> right. Thanks for your money. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, anyway, so that was fun. I mean, again, like, even though I had money on uh, the opposite outcome, it was still fun to watch that guy. Like, how much better? Wild. That's such a good tournament. I love Riviera. I think Absolutely. it's so much better than the week before um, at the at and oh, Like, one golf course, a hard golf course. Um, I don't know. It was just so much better. I watched so much of it. I watched so much more of this one than the at and just simply because – it's more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, Genesis Open. That was a fun. Uh, it was a fun week. Riley, give us your thoughts. It was. I don't know. It was fun to see the guys grind a little bit into the wind. Uh, you know, you got raining conditions. You got the schedule being. You know, you got thirty six from one day. You just never know when you're going to go tee off. So it's just yeah. like. It's just it was just a grind. Who had the best nutrition? Who had the you know the strength, the mental power to keep it going? And, and JB Holmes is one of them. And to go off of that, like with um, what he's talking about nutrition and the guy who yeah. can keep going, Tiger's one who even said in his um, press conference, he's like, "I'm tired." He's like, "I yeah. that was a lot. I'm not used to it." And and that's that's one concern I have with him going over, you know, all the way to Mexico and. Uh, yep altitude and um preparations different and practice rounds trying to get your yardages and the calculations um yeah i mean hopefully he's energized for it you know so yeah let's hop into to this week's tournament so it's a wgc event uh there is not going to be a cut so to get into the tournament you know it's a top field this week the field strength you know you've got listed as an a we've got nine of the top 10 guys uh, in the world golf rankings, no Justin Rose. So the number one guy is not going to be there this week, but nine of the top 10, no cut. Uh, if you're in the top 50 of the world golf rankings, you make it in automatically. If you're in the top 30 currently in the FedEx Cup points, you're in. Uh, if you're in the top 20 of the European tour, tour money list currently, you're in. Uh, and then if you're top two in the money list of either the Asian Tour, the Japan Golf Tour, PJ Australasia, and or the sunshine tour you're also in and then they give that last spot to the top mexican in the world golf rankings so again it is a strong field it'll be fun you know some of these no cut events are fun you know like like last week we had that bet on tiger tiger like half of that bet was me just thinking listen the guy has no good history here it's a strong field i think he's gonna miss the cut and you know he didn't and then went wild and i lose the bet so it's from a betting perspective it's a little bit of a more fun thing it's going to bring a lot of if you can make a lot of birdies here just because there is no cut like it really is going to come down to 
you know, who can shoot or who can make a lot of birdies and eagles. And there was a lot of eagles in this tournament last year, too. Right. Um, I mean, the altitude for these guys, the, the people that really get comfortable and the people that have been here before, that's one another thing with Tiger is he hasn't played here. And yep. I I mean, I've played golf uh, tournaments at alt- altitude, and I know uh, Riley has as well. And it's it's a, it's a mind trip. I mean, you're in the back of your head is what if my calculations are off with my percentages and um, that one shot, you know, you airmail a green. It's like, yeah. And being deep is just so brutal. And so many, like, again, like just of course as a rule, much. you know what I mean? Like if you're yeah. deep, it's not good. You don't, you don't want to be there. Right. And so, yeah, mentally. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw Tiger though, getting out of his car with his track, man. So, you know, he's got it all figured out and, It'll just yeah. be interesting to see. I mean, it's it's a definitely a different um, different situation to see Tiger in. You know what I mean, though. Like you, you're so used to him going to courses that he knows he has past uh, results yeah. here. It's so, so weird seeing him like actually having to prepare probably pretty hard, right? For sure, <laughs> for an event. So I was thinking about this. We were talking about this earlier, and I was going to say we were going to get into it earlier. And it's it's really one of my picks, and, and the reason that one of the big reasons I took one of the picks. Um, but okay, so last week, like in the last year, what tournament do you think was a bigger, just mental, physical grind than Riviera last week? Like, was is there one? Like, is there one that mm. comes to mind outside of majors? Yeah, uh, sure. But like, I'm just right. talking like you throw the physical aspect into too, right? Like it's cold. You're playing like Tiger was playing 30 holes a day, you know, try just like there's so much uncertainty yeah. trying to get into a routine. There is no routine. Like all of these guys are such creatures of habit when it comes to, hey, I'm going to get here X amount of time before my tea time. I'm going to warm up. I'm going to, you know, eat this. I'm going to get this all done. And then you go and you sign your card. You go sit. Yeah. You know, you don't know what the weather's going to be like. Uh, it's cold once again. Now I got to go back out, got to re-loosen up, got to warm up again, got to go back and play, you know, hopefully 12 more holes. And then I got to keep that round going the next day. Like, it's just so much different, right? Like, yeah. And so now coming next this week to a course that's 8,000 feet above sea level. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, listen, you and I, you and I go to Denver and we're walking around like, shit that's hard to breathe like my mind yeah. just like a little bit lightheaded you know what i mean this is three thousand feet above that like yeah, this no. this is no joke you know what i mean <laughs> um and so like i want riley to touch on this too because like he was the one you know going into kind of the the physical the nutrition piece of it earlier like i think there's going to be some of these guys that will finish this week and just be like i'm ready for a break you know what I mean? like this is last week and this week combined like shit i'm tired I'm just beat. That's a good point, Dan. Like, I've I've actually played in a tournament where I was about 7,600 um, feet above sea level, and I'll tell you what: this is, I, I I wasn't in the best condition back when I was in high school. And you're walking sure. up these hills, right? And you get to the top where you got to go tee off. You're huffing and puffing. Yeah. You know, so it's like, how does that affect someone's golf game? You know, if you if you don't feel like you can put the same swing on it as, as you know as you normally can, how does that affect it, right? And so like I, I I dumb it down to like okay who's who's the most fit, you know who's been doing their stuff right, who's been eating healthy and all that, you know it all plays a factor, it really does. Sure. 
And so, that, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's just my two cents. So and like, be interesting to see. Go ahead. Wait, even going off that, like, um, it patience is going to be a big thing because the guys that get up there and can understand, okay, I might be winded or I might, you know, breathing is going to be a little different. Like, people um, that are able to stay patient, right? And, like, get used to that because Thursday you might see different results from Sunday. Like people are going to get used to it as the week goes on. And it's the people who can stay patient and fall into their rhythm. And you notice that with Phil last year, um, Phil did that really well where he just hung around, hung around and ended up getting the W. So patience, you know, going off that, what Riley was saying, everyone who's sure. ready, but staying patient, not being thrown off by the different, um, different altitude. For sure. So let's hop in uh, right away, and we'll kind of go through the, the favorites that we got this week. Uh, first guy he got up here, Webb Simpson. He's 33-1 to one to win the tournament. Let's hear about him. Yeah, so Webb Simpson, I mean, he's one of the best uh, putters on the PGA Tour, and uh, he's a guy, he's consistently uh, a good putter, but he also gets really hot. We saw that at the Players' Championship. I mean, I think at one point he was I don't remember the number, but it was insane how many strokes he was gaining with the flat stick. Um, and I think early in the week, that's important here. Kind of what we were talking about is uh, the altitude, you know, breathing's even different, energy levels. Putting is going to be able to keep him in a a good frame of mind, a patient frame of, frame of mind, because he's going to be able to continue his round um, and 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 keep the momentum going. Uh, he's also leading the tour right now in par four scoring, which is a stat that translates pretty much anywhere, right? Like if you're playing par four as well, he's obviously um, either hitting his driver f phenomenal or he's uh, strategizing correctly. Um, and he's his approach shots. You know, he's he's choosing good lines, and that's what I look at. Par four scoring uh, contributes to a guy that's playing the right way playing smart taking um you know decades scott fawcett's a great um person to look at and that is maximizing with core strategy um so webb simpson i mean he's a guy that i think um you know will take advantage of the altitude he's a guy that's not a long hitter but with the altitude that adds confidence you know if he's hitting it farther if he's hitting a a seven iron from a certain yardage that's going to feel good to him and that's going to be a confidence boost. Yeah, there's quite a few shorter par fours on this golf course too. Um, mm -hmm. Can't remember the exact number, but there's multiple uh, par fours that are like under 410 yards, more than average on tour right. um, this week. And so, yeah, while it's tighter, uh, the par four scoring really could uh, help a guy like that out this week. Let's hop into the next guy, Mark Leishman, 33 yeah, to Mark one to win the tournament. Yeah, Mark Leishman. Honestly, if I was going to give my honest opinion. I expected him to cool off by now. I mean, we've been talking, you know, in our previous podcast about like take Mark Leishman. He's hot. Like, there's not a better time in the year to take him. Um, but he keeps just doing th doing his thing. Uh, you know, coming off a T four at Riviera, he made a late eagle putt from like uh, 70 feet or something, and it got him right into contention as the wind um, got crazy. But he's knocking on the door, and at 33 to one, I mean, for one of truly the hottest and most consistent guys out there right now. Um, 33 to one is awesome. Uh, going to a place too, where it's pretty tight. Um, but he drives it so well 
Uh, and he can also play that finesse game. You know, he's not just a, a bomb and gouge type of guy. He really adapts well, and that's shown in his play late. He's played well at a course like Riviera, and he's also played well at a course like uh, Kapalua. You know, they're very, very sure. different, um, but he's able to translate right now to different courses. And I don't know, 33 to 1, you, you kind of, he's going to cool off eventually, but 33 to 1, you got to take a chance on him. Take it while it's there. Right. So the next guy, you know, speaking of guys that have played well this year, John Rahm, who's 16 to 1 to win the tournament. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about this guy so far this year as well. Uh, but let's let's hear something. I know he, he obviously played well last week. Let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, John Rahm. Um, I don't know. It was a few podcasts ago we were talking about him. And we keep mentioning, like, his talent isn't anything I need to talk about, you know, and, and we all know that he's got the skill um, to continue to be one of the best players in the world. But the only thing I was always concerned about was his mental approach. And that's the reason why I didn't pick him at Augusta the last couple of years, because that's a course that can really frustrate people and you can hit good shots and not necessarily get the result you wanted. Um, and you could see him getting bothered by that. Um, but I, I was watching closely at Riviera, and I saw one instance. I mean, this is just one, but he had a perfect wedge shot from about 60 yards. Um, it one hop hit the flag and rolled back into the bunker. And John Rahm a couple of years ago would have been throwing a fit about that. Uh, it would have affected his round. It would have killed the momentum of his round. We saw it many times. Um but, you know, he stayed composed. He got in the bunker. He got it up and down and kept his round going. And like you mentioned, he um, he had a great finish. So to me, that's been the the key focus with John Rahm. And if he can continue to do that, and that was one thing you said. It's like it's one thing to do it one week, but to continue to do that is right. tough because you're going to be thrown a lot of adversity. But he's been able to do it. And that's what kind of proves to me I think he's making a conscious effort uh, at doing so. I don't know who he's been talking to. Uh, he might have a mental coach or maybe it's just his caddy, but like he's definitely trying to do that. And it's it's benefiting him. He's able to play these hard golf courses, hard weather, and not get um, thrown off his rhythm. So <clears throat> the next pick, hmm. breaking into the dark horse picks, again, a man who needs no introduction on this podcast at 55 to 1. Charles Howell III coming off a tie for sixth place at the Genesis Open. Give us your thoughts if you have any more thoughts to give on the guy. So when we're doing this podcast, I have notes about, you know, why I like this guy, reasonings. Um, this is definitely my shortest <laughs> section yeah. for a player. I will, I will just tell you what it says. It says, Guy just casts checks. Enough said. Take him top ten. Like this dude is a walking ATM machine. Like <laughs> take him, and he's going to make you money in some sort of way. The dude flushes it. He's as good as it gets. Ball striking. I send Dan messages all the time. I'm like, look, here you go. He hit eighteen out of eighteen greens. Seventeen out of eighteen greens. It's like, it's just yep. the easiest decision ever at fifty five to one. Like. It's a guy, like I said last week before Riviera, you know, he had some time off. He was able to, he's going to be fresh. He's assessed his game. He's just smart. He's, I feel like he always comes in prepared. I have a question. I have a question for you guys. I have a question for Will, too. 
Charles Howell, great ball striker. What? Why can't he pull things together and win? So he had a uh, a press conference actually early this year when he did. So he did win for his first time in what was it, ten years at the RSM in Georgia. Um, but the reason why he doesn't win more is he talked about the difference between second and first of what a big jump that actually is and what it takes because all he was talking about was the last three holes, the differences he used to make three pars and the RSM, I believe he birdied 17. It was a tough par three. He played his last three in like two under par or one under par. And he's like, it's the difference in those last three holes to being able to uh, differentiate from third, second to first place. And he's like, for a long time in my career, I couldn't, quite do that i i was i was solid coming down the stretch he didn't choke but he didn't um take the golf tournament he didn't win it himself he was hoping someone gave it to him and for a guy that hangs around so well and has so many chances he needs to start um you know playing to win on those last you know three five holes if that answers your question i mean that's that answers my question entirely that's it's it's like a thing people are, are listening to well what we can get out of it, you know, like what Charles Howell did, you know, he's playing to not mess up in those last mm-hmm. three holes in which, you know, if you're leading the tournament, keep going, keep in that birdie mindset, you know, and then maybe you'll win, you know? No, absolutely. And and I think he's, that's what he's saying, especially with the talent out there. It's like, you can't, you have to keep your foot on the pedal um, consistently. You know, if you're winning the golf tournament, you have to have the mindset of winning by three, not, uh, just beating the guy next to you or you know what I mean like it's it's important nowadays to keep your foot on the gas yeah I think it's a mind I mean it's a mindset you guys have you know much more experience in professional golf or just golf in general than I do but like you know it's I, I really like kind of what Scott Fawcett says and I go back to even what Tiger uh, did last year. I can't even remember what the tournament was where he hit iron Valspar. in the 18th hole at the Valspar, right? He hits iron in the 18th hole when everyone's like, oh, you need a birdie, you got to hit driver. But it's like you, you, while he says, hey, I would make three pars on the last three holes and go, you know, and I'd, I'd take my top three or whatever, and I could never come through and, and, and make my, you know, two under in the last three to take it home. I mean, that may be really true, but at the same time, it's like, I think there's, I think part of it is just like a mindset of being, it's, it's almost like too scared. It's almost being mm-hmm. scared of winning. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost being like, um, not necessarily like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, go par in and hope someone gives it to me consciously. It's yeah. more of a, like, it's a, I just think it's so much more of like doubting yourself a little bit in the moment when you're standing over that pot or when you're, when you're hitting it up there. I mean, yeah. when you're, when you're as good as he, he is as a ball striker, like, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go slap it around get up and down and make a par to win. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? It's more of, I feel like it's just so, it's a mental hurdle to get over where you just stand there on the 16th tee doing the same thing you've been doing all week, you know, in that, in that, Mm -hmm. in that position to take it home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and execute and and hit your lines and execute to, to what you're doing and playing aggressive uh, to your plan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And I think, I think a lot of people like going off what you said, I think a lot of people think they have so much control in not messing up more than they do have control of like going and finishing this, right? right? Like it's not necessarily conscious, but I think that's what people think. Like, okay, 
if I tug this to the left, I'm in the water, or I can just hit it to 35 feet and two puff for my par. You know, like I still have a chance now going into 17, but like if I take a chance on 16 and I and I uh, hit it left, you know, in a hazard or something like that, like oh, tournament, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot. So looking at it more of you have control of going and finishing this golf tournament based on you know Scott Fawcett's theory is not necessarily changing your game plan. Just understanding what works and committing to it and waiting until those putts fall. Where, I don't know, I'm not on Charles Hall's bag. I can't speak for sure. him. It would be interesting to see if maybe that line, the start line or the target line on 16, 17, 18 shifts 10% yeah. more conservative. You know, and that can be the difference obviously out there because if you have a guy like Dustin Johnson coming behind you, right. um, you can't really give up. You can't be too conservative. No, for sure. So let's get into your last dark horse pick. Eric Von Royen, you guys both know him. I uh, have played with him before. He's 300 to 1 to win the tournament. He had some success on the European Tour uh, last year, contended in the British Open. Uh, give me your thoughts. Yeah, so um, obviously I've talked to you, Dan, about my golf game a lot, you know, growing up since, um, since the days in Monona. And a guy that I mentioned to you, um, was Eric Van Royen about how I loved how he was disciplined, professional, used his time wisely when we were practicing out at um, Les Bolstead in Minnesota. And it's shown in his progress as a professional. Um, started on the Sunshine Tour. Um, I know I've heard through uh, people, you know, he struggled with final rounds. But as a professional, he addressed it. He figured out what the issue was. He fixed it, you know. And then he's competing out on the European tour. And then last summer, making a run at the British Open. It's it's like he's making the necessary steps. He's assessing everything as a professional would. And he's making things happen. He's not this one-hit wonder type guy. Like he's literally made, gone through every step and gotten better and better. And that's why, I mean, if you can do that at the British, I think it was his, it was his first ever British. Yeah. Um, like there's no, there's no reason why he can't play well at, um, Mexico this week. He is a type of guy that fits with the top 10 ball strikers in the world. 100%. I think actually it was you Riley or someone where he made a comment about, do you remember what it was? Yeah, he was, we were on the putting green at last ball said, and I was just like, kind of, it was, we played 18 holes, um, in the morning together and. I noticed how well he was putting and I just was asking him like, you know, like how I should kind of go about putting and all that, just trying to learn off of him. And we were talking about putting, but he, he mentioned, he's like, Riley, I, I feel like I am one of the best ball strikers in the world. And he said, I could go out to a PJ tour and take top 10, no matter how well my putting is that week. And I'm like, holy cow, this guy is for real. You know, and I and I just played with him eighteen holes, and I was I I, I was looking at him like, this guy is like I said, it's unreal. He hits the ball so good. His driver is unreal, off the tee, iron game. You know, I think it's just it's just a matter of time for Eric. It really is. You know, and that's I mean, going off that, I mean, it truly is remarkable when you see a guy. When you're talking about ball striking nowadays, like, sure, maybe back in the 90s, it was who can hit that target more times in a row, 
right? Like who who's Mr. Precision? But now it's about like speed, power, accuracy, all of it, um, controlling trajectory. He has it all. Like, uh, I mean, he can work on his golf swing. He can do everything he needs. But like, like he said, he's there, ball striking wise. It's just a matter of having opportunities and getting comfortable in the situations. And I think the British is a reason why he's able to come into to Mexico and not feel like he doesn't belong, so to speak. And I don't know. He he drives it so well, and at altitude, he's. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top five driving statistics this week. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, again, from everything that you know, you and I have talked about him, he just seems like a guy that knows exactly what he wants uh, mm-hmm. out of his professional career, and he takes the steps to get there. He's yeah. been out there for you know a while, grinding away at doing this. Seems like he gets better every year. You know, kind of, uh, you know peaking last year at yeah. competing for the British Open, right? <laughs> and it just seems like again with the way that this guy, you know, just keeps grinding on his on his game and on his stuff, like, you know, you could see him having uh, yeah. another good year here and, and kind of building off of that success from last year. And uh, and to go off that one more comment, like I know Riley Riley's from Fargo and Tom Hoagie's from Fargo and I had the pleasure of playing with Tom Hoagie in the final round. Um playing with both both of these guys, like Nothing against Tom Hoagie, but like Eric Van Royen's on a different level. You know what I mean? Like when you play with a guy like that, you can tell mm-hmm. right away. It's just like, hmm. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're for sure like, you're a little different than Tom Hoagie. And, and no disrespect to him, but that's just kind of, you know, from my own experience, that's my own opinion. And that's what I saw. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him compete this week. And I think that he's going to have many more for sure ahead for sure so let's get into the uh the leaderboard game so last week uh mm-hmm. you know we tied on uh, the tiger versus bryson with tiger kind of faltering down the stretch to to fall into a tie um yeah i know that was interesting because bryson yeah. was kicking ass you know for a while and tiger was kind of meh yeah i thought i was going to lose that one but then tiger decided to go beast mode and go save me a little bit yeah uh, so then we had a little side bet on the tiger not losing to every single other person in the top <laughs> tier, which should have happened, but whatever. Uh, so then Cabrera Bayo beat Hadwin. Hadwin was, you know what? I was feeling really good about Hadwin, and then I said Sung Kang was going to play well, and I checked right away. On Thursday, and Kang mm-hmm. came out, and I think but right at, at with the stoppage of play, he was like four deep and leading the tournament, and I was like just brushing my shoulders off. Yeah. And then he proceeded to play three over in his final four holes and just go away from there. And then Hadwin yeah. kind of did the same thing. Like I think he was three under through two rounds, um, hanging in there. And then Tiger just and him. Tiger and him did the exact opposite. I think Tiger yeah. was five under through seven. I think Adam Hadwin was like five over through seven. I texted you <laughs> laughing because I told you in our previous podcast, the dude can't hit it out of his shadow. It's going to be bad weather. He's going to run into a brick wall, which I was pleased oh, to see happen. Whatever. <laughs> Ryan Moore beat Harold Varner, who just narrowly missed DFL. And uh, John He's in Huff- contention, at least. <laughs> yeah, he was in contention for, for DFL. And Jaha beats Danny Lee. That's a surprise. 
William takes that one. So for the leaderboard on the season, I'm up 13 to 12. Let's get into it. We're going to have our guest picker as well. And I'll leave it off. So, well, go ahead. Actually, no, hold on. Last week, I, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make sure everyone knows, too, leading into, because we're trying to provide you know, um, information for people out there to try to make a few dollars on betting. And I will definitely give you my side input based on Riley's picks about, you know, stay away from this guy because he doesn't necessarily know what he's talking about. Or (laughs) I will be like, yeah, no, I agree. That's a, that's a very sensible pick, which is rare, but like we will definitely make sure we, you guys understand where he's coming from. (laughs) So I'll lead it off. I'll I'll lead lead it off. I am going to go with John Rahm this week um, at, you know, 16 to one. I like him. I think that his mental ability or his mental approach this year is um, he's going to win big tournaments and the WGC is a good spot to start. So I'll take Rory uh, led the field last week in strokes gained off the tee and greens in regulation percentage on a tough uh, ball striking track as we talked about a lot last week mm-hmm. um, and under really tough conditions. He's got three straight top fives, a top seven here back in 2017, or a tie for seven uh, back in 2017. Didn't play here last year, but I really like it. Uh, like him to break through for the first time this year and uh, get the dub this year, this week. I like Rory a lot. Uh, just to compliment that pick that you said, I liked his putting last week. Like I liked his stroke, um, which I don't say often. Uh, he didn't sure. seem too anxious about it. He seemed pretty in rhythm with his routine, um, and he was using a mallet, which I do like on him. Um, I, I think it's a great time to pick Rory. I can I can respect that one for sure. Riley, who do you have? This is one you're gonna want to listen to, Justin Thomas. I know. Well, I know. It's, Stepping you know, out on a limb. I know exactly, but the guy, you know, he just finished second, and I know his temperament. I know what he's feeling. He wants to get the W. He just was so close last week. He's got fire in his eyes. He's ready to win. Justin Thomas, all day. I mean, it's not a bad pick considering he holed out a wedge last year um, to almost force a playoff. He likes this place. It's a good one. He has the best odds. Try to take a chance one time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good pick. I mean, like I mean, yeah. There's no. I can't tell you it's a bad pick. Second last time, I think he was top five in this in this tournament both times, both years he's played. Yeah. Uh, so likes the course, obviously. Uh, good pick. Uh, okay, tier two. Riley, lead us off. Honestly, guys, we're gonna go with Patrick Cantley. I love this guy. He's uh, he's just honestly he's just due for a win. I don't know. I don't really know his game. I I know he's an unreal putter. He's got a sweet stroke, but I mean this guy deserves a win, and I think the the his his win will come this week. Oh, hot take. That's that's a good pick though. I mean Patrick Cantlay. I think he's someone that's going to benefit from altitude. I think that um, just to go off his you know his pick. His putting's never an issue, and uh, he's also a really smart player. Uh, he's a guy that will be able to make the calculations and um, and not err with with those yardages. I just want to see him be more aggressive and uh, you know get get himself club twirling out there. You know. <laughs> oh, so you assess players based off their club twirls? 
Well, it's it's a it's actually a very intelligent way to assess a golfer. There's I've seen Robert Garrigus have some of the coolest club twirls on his way to a T ninety well. finish. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess we can he go with God. That Yeah, <laughs> you go, Dan. I'll go last. Uh, so I got Gary Woodland this week uh, in tier two, three top tens in his last four or in his four starts this year. He's hit it awesome. Didn't play the Genesis, and I actually kind of going back to, I think I've touched on this a couple times, and it will be very interesting to see if this comes true, and it might just be complete bullshit. But, you know, I think not playing last week will be an advantage for him. Uh, it was a grind, and at 8,000 feet, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if it affects the rest of the field, kind of like we talked about earlier. Uh, he's fourth in strokes gained T to green, uh, fifth in greens in regulation, fourth in birdie average this year. Like I said, without a cut, guys that are going to, you know, go deep, uh, you know, really, because you can kind of hang around. I think the winning score has been right around uh, 14 to 16 under, mm-hmm. I think, the last two on these courses. On these courses, So it's like you can kind of just be on cruise control, you know, for one of those four days and uh, throw a bunch of birdies in there. The other three, throw an eagle in there. Uh, you know, you're going to be right right around the leaderboard or right around the top of the leaderboard. Mm-hmm. I, I like Gary this week. Yeah, I mean, Gary's a good one. And, like – Obviously, we've been high on him this year, right? Like he's been right. he's been playing awesome, and uh, that's another thing. He's been in contention a lot, which can be very tiresome. It's not like he's been playing poor. So that week off, you know, for him just to go rest his mind and confidence isn't the issue, right? He just needs to make sure he's sharp and rested. So I agree completely. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with uh, Webb Simpson. I'm gonna trust my pick. I've, I've I've gone away from my picks in the past, and it doesn't work great, and I always regret it. So I'm going to go with Webb Simpson. I think he's going to Thursday and Friday. Something I would say watch is his putting stats. Um, I can't sit here and say he's going to hit it great Thursday and Friday, but I think he'll figure it out. Uh, but I think on Thursday and Friday he'll putt, putt it very nicely, and I think that's what's going to keep him around and give him a chance uh, on Sunday. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, juice to Luton. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to go ahead and lead off tier three. We got Juiced Luton is going to be taking home the dub for tier three this week. He's got six top 30s in seven starts on the European tour this year, playing really consistently. <laughs> He's got top six finishes at Abu Dhabi and the Saudi Arabia tournament. That was just a couple weeks ago. And uh, on the European tour this year, he is third in strokes gained approach, third in strokes gained T degree on T to green on the European tour. That's really all I know. Listen, I mean, I couldn't pick the guy out of a lineup, but I like those numbers for a guy that's coming over and playing his uh, first PGA tour event uh, of the year. And uh, let's, yeah, let's get some juice. You just like his name, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah. Well, how can you not? Have you ever gone and just Google image juice the Luton? Yeah, the guy looks like awesome. an absolute nut job. <laughs> he looks like a boss. I'm pretty sure I saw a picture that he had a mullet. Maybe. I mean, was that wrong? Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, yeah, He's like a mullet really visor mullet. guy. He's like yeah. has a mullet with a visor, and he looks like he just—I don't know—had a rough weekend. But. um yeah good pick i guess you're talking about top 30s and top sixes i didn't even know those are stats but like um, no, we're in the t- we're in the third tier of the I'll european the tour six. of the european tour hey the saudi and the fucking abu dhabi they had 
pretty strong fields. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. But I think you missed a guy in this field, and I'll go ahead and highlight him before Riley even decides to look. Henrik Stenson is my boy this week. I'm taking Henrik Stenson. If you're going to talk about Tier 3 and throw Henrik Stenson in there, I mean, that's uh, like a candy to a fat cat. I'll take Henrik Stenson all day. Congratulations. Riley, who are you going to pick? Honestly, guys, ignore whatever these guys just said. Kevin Kisner will get it <laughs> done. Listen, he's going to have a dip in his mouth, okay? He's he's make America great again. He's in Mexico. All right. This guy is going to do well. Okay. Kevin Kisner, wrap it up. He's got it. So and this is going to make one... Mexico pay for the wall. <laughs> this was one that I, you know, I notified when Riley got on the podcast that sensible picks will be rare. Um, <laughs> this one's awful. It's borderline garbage. How, like, how? Though? What do you mean, how? Explain like how this is a garbage pick, please. Well, you're talking about like making America great again, so you didn't even give any cool. sort of reasoning to why to pick him. But I will go ahead and do that. Okay, the dude just—he's streaky, and he really has. So a trouble- sounds like he's going to be top five. Exactly. Yeah, top five maybe in contention for uh, the Dust Bowl championship next week when he drops down into tier four. Um, no, I, I just think that, you know, he is a good putter, uh, but he, he stride, he's better on harder golf courses, um, like the Players' Championship. He'll do well in situations like that. Um, I just don't really see him this week with his ball flight on the tighter golf course playing that well. He hits a little bit of a too big of a draw. Um, which start lines can be uncomfortable for guys like that, knowing from experience as myself um, on tight golf courses. I'm really excited for him to take top five. He does. I mean, America will be great again for sure. So let's hop into tier four, the Dust Bowl. And we're going to go with Tom Lewis, who is plus 125 to win the tournament. He's got two, count them, two top tens in Europe this year. Third at the Saudi, ninth at Abu Dhabi. Yeah, get it, Tom. <laughs> 23rd in strokes gained approach, 11th in scrambling. Uh, you know, he's another solid European player, been playing well. Hopefully, make some putts this week. That's really all I got to say. Give me some Tom Lewis. He's a young guy, right? He's the guy that played, he was like low M in the British, or he was something, or he had a chance a couple years ago. He's legit. Yeah, he's 28, so he's not too young. Uh, but uh, I mean, this was years ago when he was like in the British, okay. like five years ago. Um, yeah, that's tough. He probably won't play great this week. But yeah, uh, he was. Uh, let's see, in the 2011 British Open, he was five deep in the first round. Gave him a, lead, a share of the lead with Thomas Bjorn. Yeah, exactly. I knew there was something with it because. Um, he, he was legit. I don't think he's really um, played to his potential, so we'll see if he does this week. Um, Riley, go for it. I'll be the last. Yeah, so I honestly, I, I'm going with Kyrdek Effie Barnrat. Or I don't even know how to say his name. But this guy smokes e-cigs out on the golf course, okay? <laughs> this, if we're getting down to Tier 4, Tier 5, this is who I'm talking about. 
You got Kevin Kisner throwing in a little dip. Kyridek, Efford Barnrot smoking these huge clouds, blowing O's in people's faces <laughs> while he makes birdies. This is my pick. He's going to do well. I love it. So, Kyridek, he's got some nasty mitts, too. His short game's naughty. I've seen some videos of him. He's he's uh, he's a talent. It's just a matter of time for this guy, you know? Obviously, if he's blowing O's out there with smoke, like, how do you play bad? But, um... I'm going to roll with Eddie Pepperell. Okay. Um, 175 to 1 value pick. Uh, Eddie Pepperell, he's a funny guy. I like him. He doesn't blow O's. <laughs> doesn't blow O's. That's some <clears throat> deep commentary there. But yeah, he, that's you're definitely at a disadvantage. So we will uh, give you guys an update on Riley's finish in the season-long leaderboard. We'll make sure that he pays his tab uh, before he makes his next appearance on Swing Space Radio. And uh, you guys got any other thoughts for the week before we wrap it up? Um, do you have any thoughts, Riley? I mean, it's been a pleasure having you on. Absolutely. Uh, Thanks for joining yeah, us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Um, just to kind of go back and forth with you guys and knowing that I am, you know, the superior here. It's just it's it's good to know that you guys uh want me on. Well, well we know that he's he's a comedian, so uh, exactly. That's exactly exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I'm like, well, we're trying to transition this podcast into a comedy segment. So we figured that you were just a laughable not even person, more of an object uh, for people to, you know, laugh at and okay. enjoy. Okay, well, <laughs> before we get too rude here, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks, guys, for joining me. We'll talk uh, next week, and I'm sure we'll speak before that in uh, person. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hit the uh, subscribe button. Give us a uh, five-star review on iTunes. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week.